Obscurities. Obscurities. Obscur it's a pun. And I am drunk. Listen to this, guys. That's the sound of me opening Tenements Lager. Not sponsored by Sainsbury's or Goat... What, what was it called? The income... Kombucha. Yeah, no, it's the, it's the age-old Tenants Lager that I've been uh, poisoning myself with today. Let's begin. Uh, Nadim has been poisoning himself with two movies that I've probably watched about eight or nine times out of choice. <laughs> I've probably I've decided to watch these films about six times in my life thus far. I can't believe that. And you, you honestly, it takes you three days to troll through them, like in chapters. It's like, oh, twenty minutes. Oh, I'll take a shower. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that how it went? Basically, yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, so it's obscurities, obscure eighties. Uh, so we've got. See, I, 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 what I like is, uh, is spelling out puns. <laughs> that's, that's become a meme here. We spell out puns o that are B. Like, uh, I can't even. I can't spell obscure. And I don't like spelling them. I mean, like. I mean, <laughs> no. I mean, like explaining them. I think we should do a slow mo two hour O B. Like Derek Jarman's blue. Yeah, yeah. Derek Jarman's blue. Have you seen that in your in your class? Yeah, yeah. Do you do you admit to having a class on this uh, podcast? Sure, why not? Yeah, you, you, Nadim takes a class, <laughs> and I have a glass. This is a was that the preamble? This is the preamble. So hit the music, roll roll the music, roll roll music. Art cinema, art cinema, art cinema, art cinema. Art cinema, art cinema. Obscurities Part 1 contains spoilers for The Pit, Slugs, Warlock 2, Armageddon. Because <laughs> you're a sex pest, Jamie. Because you're teddy bear. Jamie, you're a sex pest. <laughs> Jamie, how dare you? Jamie, you're a sex pest. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, my name is Simon. My name is Nadim, and this is Art Cinema Fart Cinema, a podcast of bad movies, but also obscure movies. And also, also good movies sometimes as well. <laughs> we just don't have any rules on this podcast. Fart Cinema is a is if an you enigmatic farted, concept. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Basically, if you can fart during a movie, mm. then it's a fart movie. Mm. And that that's anything, isn't it? <laughs> Fucking Dr. Zhivago is a fart movie. How many times did you fart when you watched that film? I watched Citizen Kane and I fucking farted ten times. Yeah, exactly. How many times did you fart during the five-hour Napoleon? Exactly. <laughs> many times. And you had to let it out quietly as well. <laughs> this is a silent <laughs> film. Silent film, yeah. <laughs> See, when you're watching a five-hour silent film, you need to fart. You need to oh, fart God. silently but violently. Welcome why, to the podcast. Yeah, welcome, yeah. That's why I, I wish I was a woman, because they don't fart, and even when they poo, it's like little rabbits. Uh, this podcast is going to be covering the films The Pit and Street Trash, two obscure 80s movie, m- that, uh, movies. Yeah, that kind of, in that sort of diary of one's life, they're actually like, uh, yeah, there's a kind of a milestone to me watching these films and getting into a whole spate of exploitation and under-the-radar type films mm. via a friend of mine who would just basically bring them to me in an undiscriminatory sort of way, just like, 
try this one, try this one, try this one. And some of that stuff led to films that I I have been in that situation you you were in, obviously, but mm. it's painful and you're like, oh God. But yeah. these two these two films, as you know, it's it's one of those things where you know, as luck would have it, as a, as an individual, sometimes a weird shit film is made just for you. Or That's feel- definitely how I felt when I was watching this. <laughs> like, I was like, "These are very Simon movies." <laughs> they're not my my thing. They're not Natty movies, but they're very Simon movies. <laughs> But then I think that's maybe how you felt about uh, the cat in the hat, and uh, I like the cat in the hat though. I would give that. I think I said seven out of ten. But yeah, no, the naughty professor thing. No, not the naughty. Uh, Norbit. The love guru and Norbit. Norbit, yeah, no, there was. Um, I'm going to guess as well that when I talk through these films, you're going to say I can't actually remember that because mm. it's, right, it's so, a blizzard of so def- right. So definitely, when I was watching both of these films. I was like, I was pausing them every 10 minutes and taking a walk. <laughs> really? Was it that bad? Jesus <laughs> yeah. Christ. I was like taking a walk. I was like going downstairs and speaking to people in the house. I was like eating food, having a shower. You name it, I did it uh, while watching these movies. I wanted to do anything but watch these films oh, as I was man. watching them. Which is a shame because that doesn't often happen when we're watching bad movies for this podcast. But for me, mm. oh my God, this you, was, you really chose them. <laughs> these, were, these were immediately... Uh, unwelcome to your life to your, to your mind you could distill both of these movies down to about mm, <laughs> maybe 10 minutes each of good content that I'd love to watch again <laughs> <laughs> oh that's something that we stay <laughs> right yeah. so let's get into it man. Right, I want to talk about The Pit first I would have said that yeah because it's 19, uh, 1981 1981 so in chronological order The Pit's 1981 and it is a horror movie in the style of something like a Stephen King movie isn't it it's, it's Stephen Kingy isn't it it's, it's right. I don't know what to do first. Right. Okay. So it's uh, directed by L- Lou Lehman, and uh, he only directed this film. I think um, he was responsible for the two thousand and eight financial crash. Was he? Uh, yeah. Is that true? Are you talking <laughs> shit? <laughs> Jesus Christ! No. <laughs> of course, it's not true. <laughs> okay. So Lou Lehman. Uh, he directed this film, and it's based on a script uh, by Ian A. Stewart, and the script was called Teddy. Um, mm. So the, fil- the film is basically, it's about, um, what you see in the film is a 14-year-old actor, Sammy Snyder's play a 12-year-old boy called Jamie. And Jamie talks to his teddy bear and has sexual fantasies about older women. <laughs> <laughs> Again, a, Simon movie. Has elaborate plans to see them naked and stuff. <laughs> cooks, them, cooks up elaborate plans of how to see women naked. Mm. Uh, and he cuts, uh, takes clippings out of erotic <laughs> photography books and... He's basically, <laughs> he's basically you. Pastes the, pastes the librarian's head onto it. Oh my God. He, he's a sexual terrorist. He's doing all that, right? And he's a 12-year-old he's, sexual terrorist. He's a problem child. His parents are quite worried. We get introduced to a woman who's coming in to, to try and help a child psychologist in the making. A, a Courtney Cox type. Yeah, she's coming in and she's going to, you know, she's uh, in a long line of other women who seem to have disappeared that get alluded to. Like, you know, most women don't stay around or, you know, it's because mm. you're a fucking freak. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you're a sex pest, Jamie. Because you're teddy bear. Jamie, you're a sex pest. <laughs> Jamie, how dare you? Jamie, you're a sex pest. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Teddy's like. Teddy, the talking teddy bear goes. Yeah, Teddy talks, right? So he talks to his teddy bear, right? Mm. But his teddy bear talks back to him in his voice, but just a little bit deeper. A little bit with like... With a bit of reverb on it, mm, you know? A little bit like the boy in uh, 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 The Shining. 
Red rum, or is that? It's his voice comes out of the teddy bear, and it's like it's full of like really watery reverb and effect. It's like, but I know Jamie, so Jamie. <laughs> it kind of gives him advice as well. It seems that the pet is about. He talks to his teddy bear, and his teddy bear gives him advice and stuff, and helps him along. Uh, he's an outcast. Not just because of the sexual behaviour, but because of other things He's as well. He's just a weirdo. He gets People punched. just get a bad vibe off of this He gets this punched boy. in the face just for approaching a cool guy and asking if he can be in their club. And uh, it's described verbally, but you don't see it, thankfully, that he was seen by an elderly neighbour uh, swinging on a tree naked with just a Superman cape on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which led to, uh, I, 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 over the course of the film, you find out that that led to him having his bike uh, confiscated, which is why he seems to have an obsession with his this girl's bike. It's and, got, yeah. Uh, which is not a bike that you would want to ride if you were a 12 year old boy. But because he's, but this he's a weird twelve year old, I don't boy. have my bike anymore. So I'll just I'll just look at any bike and go, wow, to have this, you know, to have this bike. I love bikes. I love bikes. Yeah. Bikes. Uh, fortunately for Jamie, he also happens upon a pit in a woodland area, mm-hmm. right? And it's not even that deep. It doesn't appear to be like you have to troll very far. He even describes it as a mile from his home. It's not that deep. Uh, yeah, and uh, the pit. The pit isn't that deep and it's not that far from his home. And it's got these monsters with yellow glowing eyes in it. And uh, Mm. uh, the the story progresses from I need to feed these guys because I think one of them has died and uh, they're just down this pit starving. So he tries feeding them chocolate, doesn't work. Meat, but then he's got to pay for it. So that runs dry quite quickly, even after thieving money from... That, uh, the sexy babysitter. The sexy babysitter. Uh, eventually, we get to the. Oh, oh, yeah. No, I should. I should say as well. Like he, he tries catching chickens and <laughs> pulling, tugging a cow or a bull along the the field <laughs> on a rope. Like, come on, come on. See, briefly, I want to dip into that really briefly. Yeah. Like, cows don't know they're in movies. <laughs> like, that cow doesn't know he's in a cult classic. Uh, a cult. A cult. A cult classic movie in which a boy. Kills people in a pit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there I mean, he is, yeah. I digress. It's just interesting because the cow just looks so innocent. Just, <laughs> just getting, unaware, right? Just getting tugged along, and, and the teddy bear doesn't know he's a toy either. I don't know. Yeah, him. he's he's too busy being like malevolent and like a malevolent voice to realise he's a stuffed fucking. Did you have a teddy when you were young? I've got teddies now. I've got my first. <laughs> I've got teddies now. My first teddy bear that uh, was given to me when I was one day old. Uh, I still have it, and it's that's a scabby, pretty sweet. It's a scabby old. Are you thing. gonna get buried with it? Uh, I'm probably going to bury it instead of me. <laughs> I'm going to go missing, and the teddy bear's going to go in the coffin. <laughs> that's what's going to happen to Dean. You're going oh, to dig like, me up yeah. and find the, the teddy. It'll be instead. like in the Terminator where, where they where they pull up uh, Linda Hamilton's character's body, and I think it's like Terminator Three. They pull up her body, and there's just guns, and it's like her ashes were scattered to sea, and it was like. Uh, it'll be like you, except it'll be a teddy bear. Little snowy, little snowy bear. That's Aww. what Tintin called his doggy, snowy. Uh, yeah, so The Pit is a film I like, even though it's crap. And it's a film a lot of people like. Like People who are in the know with regards to 80s trash that, mm. that just dives under the radar, they would describe it as not a fine film, but a very memorable one. And that kind of warm sort of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? We've got a bit of warmth for this film, even though it's it's kind of rubbish. Yeah, um, and it's like uh, that that like racist granddad that you've got. It's <laughs> kind of like, oh, I love him. He's a bad person, but oh, he's not, so cute. It's not a fine film, guys. A big part of why it's 
memorable is the actor is Sammy Snyder's, uh, who's cast as this boy, and he's just creepy. Mm. Like, he is just like lock up your daughters, but more importantly, also your mothers and grandparents, because he's just going to go after everything. <laughs> and like, uh, uh, like really, like full he's a, on as it's well. It's a good performance for a child. Actor. He's, he's, you know, he's actually a famous guy as well. He did a lot of, um, oh. yeah, he did a lot of commercials and TV. He was, he played uh, Tom Sawyer on Huckleberry Finn and Friends, which would have been widely watched in America. Oh, so he's quite well known. So he would actually have been a child actor. He's like the Miley Cyrus that would have walked down the street and been like bothered with like autographs and things like that. He's also a dancer. Now he's he's grown up. He's he's gone back to his dance. Well, he went back to his dancing and probably stayed at dancing the whole time that he was having his spate of film roles and Mm. uh, TV roles and stuff. Uh, He was in a dance class with Mike Myers. What? Did you know that Mike Myers was had any dance in I, his background? I didn't. He was, See, I'm such a crap Mike Myers fan. I, I talk about how much I like him and how much he's influenced my did life. Did you know that Mike Myers is Canadian? I did know that, yeah. yeah. Although so, I also know he's, he's, a, he's a wee bit Scottish as well. A wee bit. I've got that, I've got that steak on him. That's how That's how he was so good at Shrek and also the Scottish dad in Axe Murderer. His, his Shrek accent's not good. It's not good. I, mean, I don't amazing. visit Scotland often, it's but when I do, I eat some shortbread and then leave quickly. And I guess. Yeah. Yeah, he was in a class with Mike Myers. Like, let's just think about this for a minute. He would have been a famous kid mm. with Mike Myers is kind of like looking at him like, you know, look at that prick. He's in all the adverts. <laughs> yeah. He's in the TV adverts and the movies now as well. Fucking yeah. prick. It's kind of like the Macaulay Culkin thing. And where... the, oh, Huckleberry Finn. That's yeah. going to go on for like two seasons and everyone's going to, he's going to be a household name and he's going to come and waltz back into class. He's literally going to waltz into class up to me and go, Mike fucking Myers, guess who's famous? Me! Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it's like a challenger to the Mike Myers throne. No, but I'm saying, but now, you, you grew who up had, with Culkin, right? Yeah, you yeah, grew up yeah. with Macaulay Culkin, not literally. He didn't literally grow up with Macaulay Culkin. And maybe when you were younger, you were like, oh, I'm jealous of that guy for hanging out with Michael Jackson. And now, you got the last laugh, didn't you? No. Really? He was in a Sonic Youth video as well. He still, was married to that uh, still rather Rachel Minor, who was in uh, Californication for one season. She is so beautiful. <laughs> I, uh, Macaulay Culkin, if I met him now, I would give him a total slap. A, up, good, up, a good shake. A, a wank. I would fucking wank him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Sammy Snyder's was a famous kid. And uh, it's actually quite surprising then because this is a low budget film and it's one made in in Canada as well. So oh, uh, I never I never caught that. That's pretty yeah. cool. In fact, you know the the place where it was made, all of the, lo- the they hired fifty locals to work on the film in certain ways, like a hairdresser and you know like construction people and things like that. And some of them were so enamoured with it that they they wanted to move to Hollywood and make it the big thing. Mm. And it was the, 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 like this. Making this film was the best year of some people's <laughs> lives. And they, That's sweet, like, though, man. I remember when the pit got made, and we. <laughs> I keep saying how much I enjoy making this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do I, you know? Yeah, what else do I like about it? Right. So the re- I think the reason that it ends up with the. the Type of cult status that it has because it's not even full on cult. Like this film, I'd actually, never heard of it before, and yeah. you can't get it on like iTunes. You can't get it on. I've got I an American. Yeah, I've got an American Region One DVD of this film. Yeah, and uh, 
yeah, uh, it's not come out over here yet. And any time I talk to someone, people who have seen lots of films of this ilk, all those films that get released on Arrow and Shameless, the yellow covers Shameless and the white covers Arrow. What are you talking about? These sorts of things. The DVD, it's got oh. like a design pattern around the edge. Oh, so okay. it's uh, there's a window inside a white frame for the Arrow films and there's a window inside a yellow frame for the Shameless ones. Hey, that's cool. And that's... Uh, that's your, how you know you're getting quality. That's care. your cue that this is something that's counterculture cobbled together by f***ing idiots, mm. you know. But I'm actually lying in a way because that's not actually true. It's it's basically not the mainstream movies. It's, it's the, uh, the out there... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beyond the looking glass. <laughs> yeah, like, this is like so. Stranger Things is a big is a big show at the minute. You know what that is? You yeah. ever heard of it? It's the, big, it's the big like. I've not watched it, but I am anticipating. I'm anticipating watching it and enjoying it. Possibly, nah, maybe you'd enjoy. Maybe it. I don't know. It's like they take like yeah. the broad the broadest eighties references ever and then put them into a TV program. Probably, uh, it's probably something. So, so that this is probably a bit to. too deep a cut for Stranger Things to reference. Absolutely. It'd be funny if they did, though, man. Yeah, maybe just have like a teddy bear and like uh, right I want to get right into it being good right because the um Ian A. Stewart is the author he wrote Teddy he's now a novelist because he because thanks to this film he hates the film industry because they take what you write and wank all over it (laughs) that's what it felt like actually yeah (laughs) he was like people get in touch with me and they say you know that film you wrote called The Pit what was going on there? Because there's just something not normal about it. Yeah. And what's not normal about it is, is that he wrote a script based on his knowledge of two friends that actually work as child psychologists. And he wrote an authentic, deeply kind of considered, honest piece of work. Mm. And it was called Teddy. Uh, and the Teddy really took more focus than in the film like does. And... Uh, yeah, it's quite funny. He describes the... the um, it's, you had a friend who was a ventriloquist, you know, who went into child psychology and ended up using ventriloquism as a way of, uh, like, aut- certain autistic children will talk to the the doll before they talk to me, and then it gets them talking, sort of thing. Oh. Um, and another friend of his... <laughs> That's kind of... I'm actually kind of amazed by that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Another friend of his had uh, a patient who... Drew was really um, at the age of nine or eight. You could draw exceptionally well for a nine or eight-year-old in a sort of savant kind of way. Mm. This like was particularly gifted, mm. but he would, you know, uh, he was an ill child, profoundly ill child, is how he described it. Uh, who would draw these things and call them troglodytes, and uh, whenever some he would he would draw these like really strange sprites on the page, like really monstrous things. And whenever someone felt it, but he didn't like someone anymore, if they offended him in any sort of way or bothered him, uh, he would draw the characters and send them out to get them. And then then he wouldn't acknowledge them. Like If, if he saw them, he didn't see them. If yeah, they said yeah, yeah. hello. Because in would. his mind, he'd killed them, basically. I, the troglodytes have, have dealt with this guy already. Oh, damn. Yeah. So that's basically what the movie is, or what the movie seems to have been in a it former kinda, life. It kind of hints at that. Yeah. So the pet is like, so it's like, it's got too many moving parts. And so like, you've got a troubled boy, cool. Uh, you've got a teddy bear that he talks to and it talks back, cool. And then you've got like, not in his head, but literally, you have a, a bunch of like, 
ground dwelling. <laughs> like, there's too many things to have, like, too many convenient things to have all come together for this to be consistent. And I, and I think the one thing I did read about this film, because I, I didn't actually do any research on these films whatsoever, I just put them on and decided to just have at it. Uh, the one thing I did see was that in the script, uh, it was going to be more suggested that the the tro- what are they called trogs or something. Troll. Well, not the band. He the- calls he calls the the kid uh, Jamie calls them trollologues, and right. that's his childish way of uh, of getting around. Not so in in, in the original script, the trollologues, mm-hmm. <laughs> troglodytes. They were written as troglodytes because yeah. that's what the actual they were. They were originally in his head. Like he originally just imagined them. But in the movie, other characters certainly see them, and other characters certainly start being killed by them. Well, so. this is weird because what the way that it is, right? The um, the babysitter slaps Jamie across the face quite late on in the film. What was meant to come through in Ian A. Stewart's heartfelt script that we should all take so seriously uh, was that uh, Jamie was going to wake up in a sort of catatonic state with the psychiatrists around him and the pa- his parents around him and the babysitter was going to be alive mm. in the course of the film she gets killed uh, but she was going to be alive at the end to suggest that everything since the slap was fantasy but this slap happens after a lot of people have been killed in the by pit. blooming alien monster yeah, things about yeah. five people have died in the pit uh, so that would suggest that the the pit's real but the killing of the babysitter is not. Or maybe he's just maybe a killer, like the, the Jamie mm. guy. I don't know. See, I yeah. gave up with this movie, man. I, I honestly, yeah. I was watching it, I could feel my brain pouring out my ears. And just, <laughs> I was just like, this is like, this is so, proper 80s trash. So it opens with a, a Halloween, it kind of catches up with itself in the middle, like Deadpool, eh? Um, <laughs> uh, where a pre-credit sequence, you see... Uh, Jamie in a Halloween costume covering his face in a ghosty mask and all that and he confronts a guy and lures him into the pit along with his girlfriend uh, see that's <laughs> and then you get like the you get like the backstory of why he's singling them out for this and it's I, I really love I really like you're going to disagree with me but I mm. really like the corny on the nose thing of him going, hi, I'm Jamie. Uh, can I get on your club? And the kid just walks over and wallops him, and the girl explodes with laughter. But, uh-huh. And it's laughter that never ends. It keeps cutting back to her, and she's, oh, she's, you're, still, you're still laughing at this. You're still laughing at this kid with a bloody nose that your boyfriend's just punched. And I really like that. I like this on the nose kind of people are bullies yeah. and people have no heart. It's, you know, it's got like, yeah, it's yeah. got a cruel, it's got an eye for cruelty. And frankly, me. as someone with a humiliation fetish, I get a bit like <laughs> <laughs> <dead>. <laughs> I get a little bit, just a little bit of wood, just woo, just woo. You give you give Simon a couple beers and he, ta- a, a he starts three, talking about his fetishes. A three quarter chub, <laughs> a three quarter, not a, not a full on go, but a, a three quarter chub. Art uh, <laughs> 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 cinema, art cinema. Obscure AT. The the other thing that's changed, uh, not just the uh, the end portion that explained that in fact uh, the babysitter's still alive and he's been imagining what? everything. Yeah, the the end yeah oh, there was an end scene that was caught. That oh was right, dropped. so it was caught. I was going to say what I don't remember that. The end scene that was dropped, mm. where uh, you find out that ever since the slap, 
uh, the almighty slap that the babysitter gives him. The whole thing has been made It's up. been a fantasy, and the babysitter's still alive, or you know, and all that. The housekeeper babysitter, mm. as well as that. The other that, that's one huge thing that the writer is really aggrieved by. He says they've not taken my work seriously. They didn't see what was important about it. Uh, the other thing is, is that he reckons that the character of Jamie has to be a nine or ten year old boy. And they changed, you know. And Lou Lehman just rolled in with. We're casting Sammy Snyder, fam- famous kid. <laughs> a famous fourteen-year-old. He's fourteen thing years is, old. Though, you're not going to get that performance out of a nine-year-old, are you? They found, you know, this is the thing. He actually found. You found a good nine-year-old. No, they found four. I think four or five. Really. Uh, nine or eight-year-olds that were qualified to do it. And then, um, and like the writer was like, "This nine-year-old holding up the nine-year-old, like I want this one." He just basically the the exercise was we'll find three to five kids that are qualified to do it and then we know it's possible. Yeah. And then the director comes in and doesn't even look at them and Sammy Snyder's in this role. Right, uh, yeah, And he yeah, got yeah. really annoyed by it, yeah. Um, uh, so it's a 14-year-old kid who Ian A. Stewart even describes him as quite muscular. I don't think that's true. But <laughs> maybe, and, and that sort of, he's differentiated from like a nine-year-old by the fact he's of a build that's on the cusp of pubescence or in the midst of it or whatever. Right, right. And, you know, he reckons that makes the whole thing weird. I don't know. Like, it's got, it's got it's a really... It's weird anyway. It's got an uncanny... Yeah. <laughs> it's weird it's got an uncanny relationship in the middle of it. So the the babysitter and Jamie have this bizarre, like... <laughs> I don't know, man. It's not a sexual relationship, obviously, but it's the weird... He clearly is very attracted to her. He watches her sleep while she's... Oh, like, that's, this is awesome, right? There's a scene where it's like, honestly, it's a close-up of her nipple like, as she's breathing and her breast is rising and, and you're falling. And you're not quite sure what it is. <laughs> and uh, and then it cuts to Jamie, who seems to be wearing guy liner as well. I don't know why, but he's... Yeah. And uh, he's just, like, resting his, ha- his, just his chin. Just watching her boobs. You know, like that. And she wakes up and goes, Jamie! And he goes, what? I was only watching you sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's After normal. all, I'm only 12. You don't have to worry about me sort of thing. He seems to get by, even though he's 12, uh, he seems to get by on the fact that he's acting a little bit more childish with his teddy bear and things. Mm. So when he asks a, he asks his babysitter to, to soap up his back in the bath, and she does it. And she does it. She sits and like rubs his back, like I'll washes be all him co- in the bath. I'll be all covered in suds anyway. Yeah. She's like, yeah, just make sure you stay under the suds. It's yeah. like, what? And then this is the moment when you, uh, it's really quite creepy. And uh, you, can, you can imagine maybe Ian A. Stewart is thinking, this is the moment where you get a sense of some deep hurt going on in a child's life. A, an authentic type horror movie that's way tonally different to the one that's, be, you know, passing before your eyes. Mm. He kind of talks about how his mother washes him too much and washes him even when he's not dirty. Oh my and stuff. god! Yeah, I forget and, about uh, that. And she kind of like looks a bit weird and says, "Okay, you can finish up." And he turns, he turns and goes, "Do you like washing me?" <laughs> 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 Fucking mental, oh, dearie me! This movie was such yeah. a slog, man. Slog. Guess what? It's commercial time because I'm needing a piss. <laughs> <laughs> commercial time. Pause it or record me piss. <laughs> I'll just I'll just keep it running, man. I'll keep it running. Do you like drinking alcohol? Forget vodka. Now you can have bloodka. I can hear Simon pee. I can hear him peeing. That'll be right on the, the mic. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
you can hear the pissing. Uh, actually, behind the scenes, Art Cinema Fart Cinema exclusive, he's actually just pouring water down the sink and it, this is all just a big elaborate meme. So, the reason I'm drinking now is, is actually an ode to the experience I had when I first watched this film because I was drunk and I woke up the next day <laughs> and I had to debate with myself whether I'd remembered the film correctly. I was like, surely not that. That film surely didn't go like that because that's just mental. <laughs> surely I've amalgamed and some sort of drunk nightmare in there as well. Yeah. So yeah. I had to watch. I watched it again, and I was like, can hell the film actually is that weird? <laughs> I thought that I'd made so much of it up. I was like, forget it's, it. It's that actually, can't be a to movie. the film's credit as far as you're concerned that you felt as though you'd made it up like that's yeah. pretty cool for a movie to have resonated with you that much so I think I want to talk cool. I want to talk about the relationship with the librarian uh, the librarian really has it in for Jamie because he's pestering her obviously the, the first time you see Jamie in the film actually after the, the, the title uh, he's writing on the blackboard in sort of Bart Simpson style He's writing the line, I must not bring adult books to school or to class. And he's, so he's, he's nicked, or he's got this uh, creative nude photography type book. And he's cut around, very carefully around one of the bodies of the women <laughs> and pasted the librarian's head on in her place. And when she, <laughs> when the book gets returned to the librarian and she starts piecing it together... She goes into the off the back office of the library, and Jamie's at the fucking window, <laughs> like out on the fire escape, perfectly timed. He shows up right after she's gone to her handbag, and it's like, oh, there you are to witness the moment that she looks at this thing you've done. And oh she, yeah, and I'm, she rips I'm just it up. Remembering that yeah, she yeah. rips it up, and he kind of goes, huh? Like as if you know, because in his head, she was going to like love the fact that he uh, he was picturing <laughs> picturing her in this way. Oh, yeah, um, a and lot so to there. yeah, and uh, later on, uh, also this the girl with the bike who uh, he kind of seems to be coveting her girly bike. She's that librarian's niece. She's always over at her house, like Aunt Whatever's house, you know, doing exercises with her and stuff like that. And mm. um, and she's a funny character as well. I've actually written down. There's a... <laughs> yes. Uh, there's a scene where he's like messing around at the bike and she kind of grabs it off him and says, hey, leave that alone and like goes out and she, she, she cycles out into the road and kind of like cycles around in a circle sort of thing before she di- disappearing off to the to the right of the screen. And her line, I think it's really great, right? So Ian A. Stewart, if you're taking your script seriously, my question would be, why does this line exist in your serious script? Because it's the most banal thing ever. It's like... Why don't you go back to where you came from, funny person? If I see you near my bike again, I'll tell your father, and it'll be too bad for you. They'll take you away. <laughs> you know, and she's always calling funny person. You know, it's just, it reads like yeah. something George Lucas wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Took four years to develop this script, <laughs> this concept. The pit, the pit was a four, was a, was a concept that took about uh, four, four years to develop, yeah. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> his elaborate plan eventually uh, the teddy bear seems to uh, coerce him into this as well the, the voice that is his own voice coming from the teddy bear that was he, a neat touch he, him, <laughs> the teddy having the same voice as him that's, that's cool he sets up a tape player at a phone booth to talk to the librarian woman and he just leaves it there You know, he's obviously he's so well aware of what, how a woman's going to react to 
that he's, he's able to record one half of the conversation and then just leave it because it's all going to pan out nicely for him. So he leaves this tape recorder to play out half the conversation. It goes something like this. I've kidnapped your niece and uh, I'll do something to her if you don't do what I want. And it's like, what do you want? I want to see you. I can see you right now. I want to see you. And she immediately thinks, well, obviously he wants to look at my boobs. So she <laughs> does her top and like, flashes her boobs. Just flashes him, yeah. And he's right outside with the Polaroid, like going, pling, 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 clicking away happily with the Polaroid. This is the sort of thing I was like, surely that didn't happen in the fucking movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm mixing that up in some mental dream I had. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it happens in the film. It literally happens. He, he's outside with a Polaroid camera snapping away as this woman is blackmailed into flashing at the window by his voice on a tape in a, in a phone booth. And her niece walks in and says, what are you doing, Ed? Whatever, you know, and, and she realises that she's been duped and screams. I don't think she realises that that's Jamie that's done that. No, I don't think that nothing ever comes of that. Nothing that comes of that, but you know. But this is basically, for me, that's the apex of just how crazy Jamie is as a character. (laughs) (laughs) It's really quite bad. You know, yeah. 12 years old. 12 years old. He's all about the boobs. You know, how much has changed in the script? Would that really... uh, Yeah, would that translate to something serious? Would that translate... I don't know. Just because because it's a nine-year-old kid or an eight-year-old kid. It reminded me of... uh, Parts of the movie felt to me like, I think I said this the other week as well, but parts of this movie felt like a Paul Thomas Anderson film. Like the kind of absolute warpness of, of a central human character who has weird relationships with absolutely everyone. I'm tired out, man. You're tired but you basically, to go to bed. Yeah, like the whole point of, I oh mean, I'm fucking knackered. I can't wait to speak about this film. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> the whole thing... Like, with the pit, is that it's driven by an absolute bloody weirdo. And that's pretty much the signature of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies. So I, I was like, if you ever wanted to dabble in 80s nostalgia movie territory, but make it a little bit warped, this is pretty much the movie. Like, this this could well have been made by Paul Thomas Anderson on a bad day. Mm. Maybe. Yeah, um, no? yeah. I, do, I dare say it. He could remake, mm. he could remake the pit. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what he yeah. would do. With he would it, he would yeah. make it mental, and it would be really cool. And it would star one of the kids from Stranger Things because it's meta. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so so clever, well done, Paul. Paul but this yeah. this film isn't devoid of uh, sort of artistic merit in the set, you know in the sort of able handling of the director. It's just that he didn't do he, he, the the script went into his hands without him really caring about what it was. Mm. Uh, so he just went through the motions of. We need to make the day and get the scenes done yeah. and that. Uh, I need to make sure that the people of this town where we're filming have the best year of their life. Yeah, give that hairdresser a nice little holiday from her <laughs> humdrum existence. Yeah. By, you know, you can work on a movie. I can, I can totally, I can totally, like, see why it would be so exciting to be involved with something mm. like this. Totally. I totally get it. It's called, I think the place sucked. is called Beaver Dam as well. Like yeah. Beaver Dam's the name of the town that it was filmed in, and apparently since that that was the first one done there, and they've only done about four in the 15, 20 years mm. after the film was made, after the pit was made. Yeah. Yeah. So Lou Lehman then, right? He is not a director, and the reason he got the part, and they just talk about this, uh, the the composer of the music for some reason, has all the information on this. And he was like, yeah, um, basically, the phone rang in a Canadian office with the quota that they needed a Canadian director to make this film 
to f- to fulfil a quota. Yeah, yeah. And uh, someone put the phone to their chest in that way, the headset back in the old days of phone headsets and things. They put the phone to the chest like to muffle, like don't you know? I looked around the room. Lou was there, and he goes. Uh, Lou, do you want to direct a movie? Why, yes, I do. <laughs> and that's what qualified him to make this film. He was there in that's the office. That's pretty cool. But then again, if isn't anyone just yeah. anyone who gets anyone who gets good in life? Are they not just there? He, but he didn't go. He didn't go far. He didn't. He didn't continue to direct or anything. I'm not surprised. Like, uh, uh, so, <laughs> with that in mind, right? This is what where I want, I want to talk about the fact that uh, there's some scenes in this film that play out in quite a sort of, you know, it is formulaic. And I suppose it's, you know, he's basically pieced together things that he's seen before. But I like the fact that when uh, the little ginger brat girl with the bike, with the, you know, funny person voice, um, uh, when she's quizzing uh, her auntie, the librarian, as to what's wrong with boys and what's wrong with that kid Jamie and all that sort of stuff. They're doing their, they're in their kind of spandexy things, doing their workout in the living room. Mm. And it's really, fu- I, I, like, I like the fact that the, the librarian's doing sit-ups at the point where, and she's kind of, the, the camera's static looking at the wall in the background that's kind of out of focus, and her head's just coming in and out of frame. You know, he's not crazy, and then she's away again, and then she comes back. He's not normal, and then she's away again, and then she comes back. He's just distressing, you know, and I like that sort of, you know, that's that's kind of a clue that there was potential in Lou Lehman as a director, <laughs> but, you know... <laughs> Whatever. Maybe it was an idea by the by the photographer. Maybe it was a cinema, cinema yeah. photography dude could have said <laughs> yeah. that. You know what we do with this shot, Lou? Yeah, that's a good idea. It could be that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? I'll do it. Yeah, yeah go for that. Yeah, I love I love being a director. No, I think a lot yeah. of the time it feels like a, like like your uncle with a camera. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna film a film, and it's gonna be about this boy who, uh, who um, speaks to this teddy bear. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm too harsh in this film. Um, well, he wasn't allowed to uh, <laughs> to shoot. His wife was didn't let him. Who's this, Lou? Lou's wife Lou didn't uh, let him do the nude, uh, shoot any nude scenes in the film. What? Wait, why would there be any? Oh, of course, right? Yeah, because he's sneaking on it. I was like, wait, this movie's all got kids in it, right? I remember now. Interestingly enough, the last final nude scene is uh, involves a girl skinny dipping at the end when the trawler logs have been uh, let out by Sammy, who can't. Well, no, Jamie, sorry, Sam Snyder's, but Jamie can't feed them anymore. So he just lowers a rope in there and lets them out to run free and kill. Yeah, so, so uh, the baddies get out, out of the pit. Uh, and uh, the girl who skinny dips and gets caught by a trawler log, uh, that actress is actually Lou Lehman's daughter. Oh, well, that's. I can't remember yeah. her first name, but it's. it's, it's well, that's uh, something. She, she's his <laughs> daughter. So what weirds me out here is so. Was that does that mean that she came in to act in the film and Lou wasn't that behind the camera because the wife had vetoed any nudity, or does that mean that you can actually film her because that's your daughter? That's your daughter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't film the babysitter or the librarian, but that's your daughter. So go so have at it. Yeah. Mate. Yeah. yeah. What a w- mm. Wouldn't it be weird nah. to sit down with? Uh, yeah. Lou, Lou Lehman died of heart disease at sixty six. I don't know when, but. Uh, if we could have a seance right now. Lou! Is there a presence? Tell Lou? us, Lou. Did you film your own daughter? <laughs> your king daughter. Did you film your own daughter? Or did you hand the camera over? Ooh, I can hear it actually wait a minute. The glass is moving on the table. <laughs> Lou! Lou! 
You know something? This would have been a better Halloween special than our actual, than our actual Halloween special. Don't say that. These are, these are two horror movies. Don't say that. Our Halloween special was awesome because of all the memes. <laughs> <laughs> but our, our Halloween special didn't have horror movies. That was, that's what was special about it. Uh, art cinema, fart cinema does not... We don't play by your motherfucking rules. to trends. We don't play by your rules. Wicker man, wicked woman. We're, what actually, day that was. we're actually rebels. With a cause. Actually, yeah. yeah, so the police chief at the end is quite funny. I uh, don't remember. You don't remember because at <laughs> that time you Simon were Man. laboriously dragging your eyes across this film ten minutes at a time. I actually... Uh, <laughs> I did this more with Street Trash, but I... Uh, I, this is I never do this to movies never but I uh, I actually minimised the screen on my laptop <laughs> and uh, so it was just in the corner and I was like browsing the internet <laughs> hmm. I didn't respect your movie I'm sorry man you don't respect it no it's cool it's all fine it's good that's why uh, we, that's why I did an obscure 80s selection because these films I knew that I don't think I'll, I'll know I'll have known anyone else who's ever seen these films you know, well, you know someone who's seen Street Trash. Street Trash, right. which we'll get into later on, that's more... Because it's in Arrow Films, you know, that's the thing. As soon as things get released on Arrow Films, they're into the bloodstream in a, a, a more sort of... Right. You know, right. it's just... So they're like the Criterion Collection of, like, shit movies, basically. Yes, basically. Ah. As soon as it's on Arrow... If the pit was on Arrow Films tomorrow, about... <laughs> 10,000 people will have seen it over the first weekend. Of yeah, because they'll buy it because it's Arrow and because it's... One yeah. pound in the bargain box. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't know that. if it would be if it would be cheap because these people are after your money. Like, oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, damn. oh blue. You know, you can buy. You know, it's um. <laughs> they make a big deal about the fact that this is archi- This is of archival interest, and then mm. they pack it with. Uh, they jam it with great artwork and special features, and they want you to spend seventeen quid on a film that you watch and go, "That was fucking dreadful." <laughs> <laughs> what you do it with kind of a smile on your face? That was. Mm. Dreadful. Like slugs. I've got a Blu-ray of Slugs, right? You you want to watch fucking Slugs? Slugs is amazing. It's another trashy eighties. Totally in this. Ilk. Yeah. Um, I'll need to. I'll need to work myself. You're not gonna. You're gonna watch it. I'm not gonna make you watch it, right? <laughs> uh, but some people out there who are into this stuff uh, or anything like that, uh, there's a scene in Slugs. Uh, slugs is. It's about killer slugs. So. All right. That, so it's as easy so, as that, right? I mean, but there's this bit in it. There's lots of uh, teen kind of delinquent type character and colourful characters in the background are like leather clad fucking biker boys and guys guys and gals that behave badly and go to, go to parties and things really <laughs> sexy you know but no there's a scene where they're up standing at parked cars drinking beer cans or littering the place and stuff like that sort of thing music blaring out of the cars with the doors open and stuff and a girl's getting really like you know oh I don't know if I like being here and this guy comes up and shoves like a, uh, a slice of pizza under her nose and goes try it you'll like it like that. <laughs> it's like, imagine what would you do what would you do if you saw that if you were at a party and you saw a guy with like a total intense bright red face of anger like like just like <laughs> shove that pizza uh, slice right under her nose and go try it you'll like it <laughs> <laughs> actually vaguely reminds me of something that happened last night which is I was <laughs> it's not it's not anywhere near as interesting as that but a guy like walked up to me with a massive group of guys and he was like healed me I was like walking out of the shop uh, the local shop and he was like, healed me. And I was like, yeah, well, oh, great, what's this going to be? And he was like, uh, do you know where we can get some coke? And he kind of like wiped his nose a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, point to, I just point to the shop behind me and I go, in there, mate. 
<laughs> I'd recommend Coke Zero because it tastes just as good without the sugar. <laughs> like, I just uh, I just played it off like every, <laughs> like, like completely and utterly oblivious to Anthony just said. I was just like, yeah, in there, yeah, you'll get it in there. You know what happened to me last night? I in, actually in the co-op. <laughs> I listened to uh, a guy off his face. I don't know what exactly, maybe it's just alcohol, but no, there might be other substances in there as well. He was bullying a, a guy, a guy who... Wait, what's this? What are you talking about? Last night. Oh, right. On okay. a bus journey. Ah. On a bus journey last night. I listened as a guy r- repeatedly intimid- intimidated um, someone with a not very great grasp of the English language. Uh, someone from outside of this country. And uh, he kept going and kept going, and the guy eventually moved closer to me, and the fucking prick that was bullying him followed him, and he's like talking about slitting throats and stuff what like that. What the fuck? Uh, brilliantly as it is, there was two bald guys with tattooed heads, like, <laughs> on the front row. Soundcloud rappers. And they honestly, this guy turned his head round with the most intimidating stare I've ever seen <laughs> in my life, and he says, what the fuck are you on about, mate? Like, listen, because this guy was talking really loudly. Mm. And eventually... The um uh, the ethnic gentleman who was being bullied went down and just told the driver everything that was happening and the dri- the bus stopped. Uh, but before the driver came up to uh, give this guy a stern word of warning, the the bald tattooed headed dude came across and it was just like you know. <laughs> When you get off the bus, I'll, I'll fucking drag you off the bus with me, mate. <laughs> I just loved it. I love bus journeys in Scotland. There's so much colour. Yeah, so much <laughs> colour. One time, I was on the way home from a, I was on the way home from a Bill Bailey concert with my with my pal. Not relevant to the story. Um, on the train. Again, not that relevant. But anyway, there was a massive fight that broke out between an obviously a, a homosexual man, but like like a really sassy, confident one mm-hmm. versus uh, like a really, really, really loud, bitchy, drunk woman. And they got, they like came to blows and he grabbed a handful of her hair and like ripped it out. And then they both got thrown off the train. And on, on the way out the train that night, there was a massive big clump of hair on the ground. And I was like, Ugh. with a bit of bloody scalp just nah. in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully Christ. not. Because I would have passed out. That's a gross. Uh, no, no, no. It was just, uh, it was just hair, but it was, that maybe was, that was mad. Maybe she was like, "How does my hair look?" And he was like, "See for yourself." And like, <laughs> it and like showed it to her. Like That's an, cute. Like an ah, uh, what is it called again? What is it? Fuck. It's um, Warlock Two colon Armageddon, starring Julian Sands. Buy it now on DVD. Do, 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 do. Commercial break. <laughs> the, uh, that's a that's a scene in that film. The guy, uh, the guy also threw a burger at. Like he had a Burger King burger. I would have, I would have picked up and ate and it. That's nah, how disgusting. No, 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 no. He threw it and it skiffed off of the window and moved like really near to where me and my pal were sitting. And it was like a big smear of mayonnaise all over the all over the window, and I could just smell it. And it was really near my face, and I was just like. And the next person coming into that is it? Did you say it was a train or it was a train? train yeah. The next person getting onto that coach would look at that smear and go, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah, and blame me, Ugh, but yeah. nah, that never happened. That still, that 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 was a thing that happened in Scotland. Yeah. So speaking of street trash. No, 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 no. No, the, for fuck's sake. Sorry, the police chief, right? The police chief uh, has got lines that I think are informed by Brody from Jaws because he goes, do you know why I came to this town? Because nothing ever happens here. And he's got that kind of, oh, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> this is, there's just more shit I have to do now. Ugh, like that. At one point... He's like me. At one point, the, the trollologues have been released and we know that there's murders happening, but corpses have been found scratched to shit. Mm. And he's got the itinerary. How do you call it? Is it an itinerary? I don't know what you're talking about. 
<laughs> itinerary. Itinerary? I don't know. He's got a lot of guys hanging around with guns, right? And he's giving them the words of advice before they set off looking for these Ah, oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And itinerary. Yeah, itinerary. Itinerary. Why not? Why not? He goes... Uh, Right, I'm going to put down my drinks. Hopefully this fuck the microphone up. I'm gonna, I don't know if I like Simon drinking on this podcast. Uh, don't wait to ask questions or try to figure out what to do. <laughs> Shoot the damn things. And then he goes, now let's go. And runs. he runs ahead of the guys, right? But he's not got a fucking gun himself. Everyone else has got a gun. And he's just running with this kind of like, you know, we're looking for them. But when I find them, I'm going to be like, you, you shoot him because I don't have a gun. Mm. I, I, came, like... <laughs> I came here because <laughs> I came here because it's a quiet little town that nothing happens. I don't want to fire a gun. And it reminds me of Jaws because in Jaws, Jaws uh, Brody's like, uh, you know, you know, you know in, in New York City, you don't feel like you're ever making a difference. But in Amity, there's never been a you know, shooting or murder in this town, you know, and all that. And when Mark Kermode, my nemesis... Uh, says that uh, arch nemesis Mark Commode arch nemesis Commode when he says um, that uh, he thinks that Jaws is about uh, a crisis of masculinity post this whatever time oh, yeah? period bloody blah he goes like he goes into all that all that shit <laughs> that I fucking hate him for how dare you we can no no we uh, can just call like uh, talking at length about wanky stuff like that just call that Mark Commoding. Mark Kermoding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm spilling the beer. Look, it's like I've never worked oh, in a wow. bar. Oh, wow. It actually looks, oh, it oh. looks really like uh, one that's been poured from a tap. Nice work. <sighs> Tenement slagger. Mm. <laughs> you know, something like, there's been moments in this podcast where I've been sitting here, like like when Homer's getting progressively drunker and Bart is just sitting watching him. <laughs> <laughs> Homer's just going, nah, 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 nah. and he's going over here, and he's there, nah. and Bart's just like, okay, Dad. <laughs> and then the cans pile up. Basically, that's what it feels like. I've got, we've got a pile of two cans. Did you ever right think now, that you'd? But be, I, did, I did drink more. Did you ever think this. that you'd be broadcasting <laughs> your drunk self to? Thousands of people. I hoped. I always <laughs> dreamt and hoped. My humiliation fetish has gone full circle. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so Brody in uh, Jaws Wait, is um, oh, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he is much like the police chief in the pit because he's moved to a quiet town mm-hmm. so that he can then claim that the reason it's quiet is because of it's him. It's because of me. Yeah. Fucking bullshit. Mm. I can't stand that sort of shit. <laughs> it's like if you really want to earn something. Stay in New York and fight fucking crime. Don't go to the country or an island. Okay, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Don't go to the country or an island and say it's because of me that this place is in order. You know, fucking <laughs> wanker. But other than that, I love Jaws and I love the pit. I don't care. I don't care, Nadine. I love the pit. Fucking six point eight. I mark it a six. Uh, Imagine it's like a figure. Are skater. you drunk? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I don't know how many of them. I love it. It's so funny. I can actually smell beer. Imagine like a, a figure skater that is the pit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, Paul Thomas Anderson does this with Fiona Apple, who was his girlfriend at one point, mm. the singer Fiona Apple. Uh, in the making of uh, Magnolia, he, uh, he does this kind of uh, conceptual art performance piece impromptu where he... He's talking about, you know, being a director and showing up with a film and he gets her to do an interpretive dance of the effort that it takes to make a film. And Mm. she does an interpretive dance of the effort it takes to make a film and then he goes, no, that's not good enough. 
do another one. And then she does another one. No, that's not good enough. Do another one. Right, well, if the pit was a figure skater, I would hold up a sign that said 6.8 out of 10. Fuck all the trash that don't like this movie. <laughs> I I actually wish I lived in a world... <laughs> I actually wish I lived in a world where people made films like this deliberately <laughs> instead of by accident. Because like the, the, the writer, the producer, and the director all on different pages, and then the film that comes out at the end is like this mutant <laughs> weird See, thing. That's, and the, right. they, they, like this is a good point to end on, right? Because uh, well, for this not movie, everyone, yeah. yeah, because not Deal. everyone, not everyone likes this film. That was like I said, the writer never he stays away from movies now. He writes novels because then he gets to do the beginning, middle and end and then it's finished. Yeah. It's his vision out into the world. Exactly. Uh, the producer is John F. Bassett. Mm. He was on Ian Stewart's side regarding the creative difference. Uh. Pardon me. <laughs> the creative differences. <laughs> Drunk cinema, funk cinema. <laughs> I love how we, we've been a little bit experimental with these with these episodes, and the experiment this episode is get Simon shit-faced. <laughs> shit-faced Simon runs the podcast. I knew that I, I knew that I would have to. Um... See, you're going to edit this to shit. No, I'm not. I'm not. It. I actually am not because I actually like this one. <laughs> you might. I, I'm actually looking forward to the text in, like like the kind of coy text, like oh, listen to it back, Nadim. Uh, <laughs> it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> re- really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see how it can be for the No, podcast. but then yeah. you're drunk. I'm drunk, yeah, so there we go. Um, John F. Bassett, the producer of The Pit, yeah. uh, executive producer, he pulled in, uh, he pulled on uh, Ian A. Stewart's cock, but then after he did that, <laughs> after he did that, he pulled him into his office and said, Ian, we took your wonderful script and made a grade B piece of garbage. And mm. for that, I am, I, all I can say is sorry. Very short meeting. Mm. Uh, so he was very much on the uh, fighting creatively in the uh, Ian Stewart scripts Ted called Teddy Corner, and then what came out with via Layman Lou Layman's lens. The Lou Layman. Just made up name. The Lou Layman. The Blue Layman. The Lou Layman filter that put this film into what I think. Uh, I I th- I would make this film deliberately if you gave me creative control and a million American dollars. Well, see, I I think if this movie had been intentionally made this way, it'd be pretty good. Like, I, it's like again, I'll go back to Paul Thomas Anderson. If he'd made this exact film and he'd released it today, and all the actors in it were like literally, this wasn't this was a movie that was made in two thousand and eighteen. It was all done by design. Yeah, sort of. I'd be uh, amazed. Yeah, I'd be like, be what an authentic movie. Like, it's the perfect amount of shit to good, to 80s vibe, to, you know, uh, everything works together nicely to make a movie that could only be made in the 80s, but you, Paul Thomas Anderson, you made it in 2018. Um, Unfortunately, context does sort of matter, and this this movie sucks. For everyone except me. It's called The Pit because you need to bury it. And you want to bury the pit in the pit. You want to just put it in a pit and and forget forget about it. Yeah, forget about <laughs> forget about Stephen King's it. Watch <clears throat> the pit instead. That's how I want to end it. And I'm crumpling up my notes. And this trash is the, that. This trash is the it. Trashing. Trash it and throw it out on the street. Trash the pit and move to real trash 
Street trash. Street trash. To be continued in Obscurities Part 2.